Welcome to Hubbub, the people's podcast, where we engage our citizens and investors with the activities of the Planning and Code Administration and encourage everyone to contribute to Hagerstown's growth. So welcome to episode 35 of the Hubbub podcast. I'm Donnie. I'm with my wonderful co-host, Mr. Paul Falk. How are you doing today? All doing great. Good. Just looking forward to talking to you a little bit about some stuff today. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm feeling a little uh, stuffy in here. I think we might need some uh, ventilation, perhaps. <laughs> it's, would that go along with what we're talking about today? I think you're right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about ventilation and what is ventilation. We're going to really kind of focus on homes, not so much on commercial businesses. Uh, but you know, ventilation involves the exchange of air in a structure. So that's kind of how air moves around through a structure. And you know, during the year, it could be different um, for each time of the year, as a structure can have a high rate of exchange, or in other times of the year, it could have a lower rate of exchange. You know, in order to move an air through a house, you need two basic requirements are necessary. First, there has to be a path for the air to move. Kind of makes sense. Right. Uh, and then second, there must also be air pressure differences. Now that sounds a little science-y where mm -hmm. it's outside of my realm. I'm not the perfect in science. Uh, but, you know, it's where wind can often change, you know, how air moves through a structure. And then also the air pressure for the atmospheric pressure of outdoors and the pressure inside your home can kind of change on how air moves through a building. Okay, so you know, here's something to think about. If you have 100 cubic feet of air entering a house, 100 cubic feet must leave the house somewhere else. Uh, something you may have never thought of is when you open a window and turn on a kitchen fan or a bathroom fan, but if air comes into the home, it is going to have to leave somewhere. So that gives you a kind of an idea of how this exchange of air works. Uh, and at least two holes in a house are necess necessary in order for air to move through it, an entry hole and an exit. So what is a hole exactly? It's kind of just what you're thinking. You know, it's one of the, lar one of the largest and most common holes in a structure is a window. Um, even when windows are closed, there are still little holes um, in the door frames and two by fours that are actually holding up the wall. Um, there are even narrower, narrower gaps uh, between the floor and the walls and even smaller gaps around electrical outlets. Yeah, I never knew that, but there are actually small holes you know, near those electrical outlets. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And when you start looking throughout your home, you may find uh, larger holes in your attic or your basement. Um, you know, this is where you, a lot of the air enters and leaves your home. This is when you hire a weatherization contractor um, and just having them caulk around the windows and doors, you really aren't tightening up your homes because you still have all those larger holes to tend to in your basement or attic. That's a very good point. So as a homeowner, if you are looking to weatherize your home, you probably want to make sure they're addressing those window, those areas in the attics and in the right. basements. You know, you mentioned about how, you know, we get air into the home, but what about the pressure you mentioned? You know, sometimes you're mentioning about, about you put in all this air, but you got to get it out somewhere. I'm thinking, you know, what, what home, you know, is it expanding type of a thing? It, it really kind of sounds funny when you talk about that. So, you know, you know, what is the pressure? Well, the most common um, way for, you know, the natural pressurization and depressurization in a home is by Mother Nature. Uh, just in how Mother Nature itself can vary from day to day. And, uh, you know, the primary results is from the, the wind and also temperature. That is one of the ways that pressure can kind of change. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've gotten a little bit deep, though, into the science behind ventilation, and that's not the purpose of our, right. our podcast. We try to let you know about what is really going on where it comes to codes. Um, so, you know, how do we get fresh air into a home with current codes? You know, first we're going to talk about the property maintenance code, because that's really for existing buildings. 
And uh, what we kind of have here in our community, what we like to always touch on, and it is a it is an international code, so it is something that is done worldwide. Uh, but we're going to mention just specifically on how our organization uh, operates with it. Uh, so you know, the code states that the openable area for a window in every room shall equal at least forty five percent of the minimum glazed area. So. Well, it's the glazed area. So now we have, there's another code section now. So the glazed area is where that every habitable space is supposed to have 8% of a floor area. Now, that's a lot of math, you know. Yeah, it sounds, sounds kind of confusing. Yeah. And uh, I know you're the math major here, but math really sucks. Okay. <laughs> My math really sucks. A little ventilation joke for you there. Uh, all right, so here's an example to kind of break it down for you. If I have a 100-square-foot bedroom, Eight square feet must be glazing or window space. The open wall area of the window must be 45% of the eight square feet. For this example, 45% of eight square feet is 3.6 square feet. So if you're listening to us on the podcast here, you need to hear that again, just rewind it, check it out. This means that a window that is about two feet wide must open up approximately one foot, 10 inches. And you might recall back in episode 28 that we discussed emergency escape windows and that a bedroom window has to open 5.7 square feet. So although the window only needs to open 3.6 square feet to meet the ventilation code, the window still needs to open that full 5.7 square feet to meet the emergency escape requirements in a bedroom. So it's important to pay attention to that. And this is when, you know, there are other codes that must be factored in when examining not only the light and ventilation code, but also fire codes. So make sure you got that whole uh, package wrapped up in there that you have your meeting every different code there. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. And sometimes that uh, people uh, that we're doing inspections for might not really understand that, that we're looking at multiple things while we're out there. It's not just do you meet the ventilation code, but it's also do you meet the ventilation and the fire code at the same time. So you, even though you might meet ventilation, you might not meet the fire code. So there is different ones that we have to factor in. Um, you know, the, the goal of all of these codes though is to provide adequate ventilation inside the home for you to comfortably live in your home. Um, we, you know, we mentioned about the way things can be done naturally, but if it can't be achieved naturally, there are mechanical ventilation ways that things can be achieved for ventilation. You know, but this is not for all rooms. Bedrooms still have to have that window. You just mentioned in episode 28, we talked about emergency escape windows. You still need a window in a bedroom, but in some of these other rooms, such as kitchens, bathrooms, even living and dining rooms, you might be able to achieve ventilation through mechanical ways rather than actual natural ventilation. You know, we're not uh, going to dive into all the specifics for a mechanical ventilation system of what you might need. But basically, it goes over to how many cubic feet do you need to move inside of that room for it to be properly ventilated. And that can vary between which room you're in, such as the kitchens or bathrooms or even the habitable spaces, or they even make things for the whole entire house of how you can have a whole entire house ventilation system just to give you the fresh air that you're looking for. Yeah, that's really interesting. No, I remember one of my first inspections, a, uh, an owner was worried that the kitchen didn't have um, a window nearby. But, you know, we were able to work with them and, uh, you know, through mechanical ventilation, we are able to get them to where they needed. So that is very interesting to know. So older homes, they are easier to obtain natural ventilation due to how the construction was performed years ago um, with less concern on energy loss. You know, this is not the case now with newer construction. Um, the increase in green building techniques and tighter building envelopes, there comes an increased need for proper building ventilation. Um, are tighter homes better? You know, this is a question with a bit of debate. In many ways, a tighter home is better. 
Um, a tighter house is less costly to heat and air condition. A tighter home it has fewer drafts, making them more comfortable. A tighter home often has fewer hidden moisture problems. So a tighter home can be more energy efficient, draft free, comfortable, and a reduced likelihood for mold and rot. Well, that's so that's my side of things. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, like you said, it's a debated issue. So where's the debate? Mm -hmm. Everything you mentioned sounds right. really sounds good. good. Who doesn't want to have a home where you're, where it costs you less to heat, where you have more um, uh, comfortable living, and you can just have an enjoyable environment for you to be in. Uh, but you know, a tighter home also means that the air is not flowing through this home as good as it it used to be. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're not feeling like you're getting as much fresh air. Uh, this is why the ventilation of a newer home is so much more needed. Uh, did you know of, you know, how do we know that a new home though is airtight? Because we're talking about how we want to make sure that we get the proper ventilation of a place. We want to make sure that it's airtight. How do we kind of achieve both of those things? Is there some sort of test? And a common way this is done is through a floor door test. That's something that uh, is commonly used nowadays to determine how tight a home is. All right. So what exactly is a blower door test? So this test, it actually manipulates air flows and pressures in a house. This allows um, the technician to estimate average infiltration rates uh, based on the tightness of the house, then gauge the importance of a controlled ventilation system. A blower door is a large fan, uh, a fan speed controller, and one or more pressure gauges mounted in an adjustable framework. Uh, the blower door is typically tested at the entry door of the home and it will blow air out of the house um, causing that house to be depressurized. Um, a pressure gauge with both an indoor and outdoor sensor will tell the technician how much negative pressure the interior of the house is experiencing. Uh, and by knowing the quantity of air that is leaving the house when the entire house is subjected to a certain pressure, the technician will know how much air is moving through the house at a given pressure. Uh, this measures how tight the house actually is. And if more weatherization is needed, um, this is where the contractors come in and make those adjustments at that time. That's a good point, you know, with the blower door test that, um, and, there, and there are other tests that are out there. That's not the only one, but that's a more common uh, practice used test nowadays um, that, that, you know, that you might have to go back and seal some things up to make it a little bit more tighter or the homeowner might want something a little bit more tighter when it's being built. Uh, but are there any type of minimum requirements for a blower door test? Um, there are, and it's through an air leakage uh, rate requirement and documentation is actually to be provided to our office once that blower door test is being um, done. And that's not just our department, that's the departments across the country that these blower door tests are required and that they are to be submitted to the local permits office. So if you are doing any type of renovation, you want to make sure you have that blower door test lined up to be done. Um, you know, but is there things such as a too tight of a house? Um, and, and yes, that there is, you know, a too tight of a house, you know, it might not have much fresh air in it. We just mentioned that a little while ago that there might not be that much fresh air inside of a home. So even though there are drawbacks for infiltration and exfiltration of them, um, there is no doubt that you know you want some air, especially fresh air, in your home. Um, you know the goal is to insulate, caulk, and seal up your house as tight as possible. You just mentioned that you're trying to get this blower door test working, but also you want to get some fresh air into the home. Um, so you know how can you make sure that you can get some of that fresh air into the home? Um, you know that. Uh, you know, how much fresh air is actually needed though? We're talking about you want to get in fresh air into your home, but how much is actually needed? And this is kind of interesting while we're doing our research. You know, as a human, it says that we need about a half of a cubic foot per minute of fresh air to actually supply our body. So that's, that's not that much of that's air. That's in a minute. I, I feel like I'm sucking that much in every second right now. 
but you know, this is this is what they say scuba divers need actually at the surface level. And when they go down underground or down underwater, they they of course need a lot more um, air. Uh, but when they're at surface level, that's how much they're supplying them with before they dive. Uh, but when we're indoors, like you and I are here right now, we need considerably more, a lot more than a half a cubic foot per minute. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So how is this calculated? Um, well, the good thing is we have the American Society of Heating, Refrigerating, and Air Conditioning Engineers, or ASHRAE, that specialize in ventilation and related issues. Uh, these engineers are always evaluating systems to determine what is the minimum level for proper ventilation. Uh, between 1973 and 1989, ASHRAE recommended five cubic foot what is it? Five cubic, cubic feet, feet per, per minute. Thank you. Per person of continuous ventilation. Many buildings were constructed based on the recommendation, but it turned out it wasn't enough fresh air to maintain good air quality in the buildings. And ASHRAE evaluated building and code. Building and the codes were changed to address this mistake and have been um, at the 15 cubic feet per minute uh, per person or 0.3 five air changes per hour since. Um, so is that really moving that much air? Well, over a 24, 24 hour time period, um, 15 cubic feet per minute means a total of 21,600 cubic feet of air is being moved. Um, that amount of air, it's one day's worth for one person. It'll fill a cube measuring over 27 feet on each side. That's bigger than the room here. Yeah, that's a lot of air. <laughs> Um, should, so should homes be uh, ventilated based on the cubic feet per minute per person or air changes per hour because the occupancy rate is never the same for a home? Uh, sometimes the best option is to look at air changes per hour when the occupancy isn't known. So that's a good point. Yeah, that, that is a good point because sometimes you might not know how many people are living inside of a house. Like you have a three-bedroom house, you might be thinking, oh, okay, maybe it's only four people that are living there where you, where you have the the parents that are, are in one bedroom and then kids are in each one, but then they could have friends over and, or you could have a, a party at your house right. that you're inviting friends over to, to be. So you can't just always do things on the per person. You might want to look on air changes per hour. So that's a very good point. You know, we mentioned about how air, you know, gets into the home with older structures, but you know, what about these newer homes that are tight that we've been talking about? You know, how is air getting into these homes? The basics are that air enters the home through an inlet and an outlet, you know, that's, that's pretty basic. So an inlet meaning that that's how air gets into your home, an outlet meaning that's how air exits your home. That's pretty basic. Uh, so, th you know, these can be accomplished through either some through the wall vents or even through some ducts that are connected to areas to move air from one location to another. And that could be ducts to the outside or ducts from another area that you can get fresh air from. So, you know, these can be achieved through active vents, but active vents are where you have a fan that's actually pushing or pulling the air or through passive vents, which is just basically through the pressure inside the home and the outside that actually just pushes the air through those areas. Um, no matter how many inlets um, a system has, it's important that they're located outdoors so they can get fresh air. You wanna make sure that you're always getting fresh air in there. You don't wanna have an inlet where you're getting just polluted air being dumped into your home. No one wants that. So you wanna make sure that you're getting it where fresh air. That's why a lot of these inlets for these systems are actually on roofs. Um, so you can actually get some of the freshest air up higher than being drawn into your home. Um, you know, one of the coals though with that when you're dealing with those inlets, you're putting it up high. Well, what else is up high? Birds and other types of rodents uh, could be up in location. So you want to make sure those inlets, they have either some sort of, you know, wire mesh over it, uh, that they have some sort of screen or some sort of louvers that could prevent the entry from these types of um, uh, uh, birds or rodents, that, depending on where you're drawing that fresh air from. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. 
So what about tempering the incoming air? Uh, well, we're discussing these holes directly to the outside coming into your home. Uh, during the spring and fall, we might not think about, uh, about that much, but what about during the hot, humid, and summers, you know, or even during the really cold months? Uh, do I really want holes in my house just letting in this unwanted air? Is this really making my home more energy efficient? Well, tempering the air means changing the temperature or humidity of the incoming air to match closely with the indoor air. Um, if a system is carefully designed, which is why we highly recommend uh, working with state or locally licensed uh, professionals and the HVAC trade, um, occupants, re occupants rarely complain of uncomfortable drafts. The key can be as simple as mixing the incoming air quickly with the more uh, temperate house air. Uh, tempering the incoming air is also important to prevent damage to a furnace. Uh, through the wall vents manufactured for use in residential homes are relatively small and they're not designed to allow in a great deal of air into the home. And so this is so that in the winter when the air is very cold, the occupants don't feel that chilly draft that you're sometimes used to. And that's a real good point that we're talking about you're putting a hole outside and you got it snowing outside and you're just bringing that fresh air right into your home. It's it like, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, so it doesn't. You want to keep that. warm. Yep. Uh, so that, that is something that, that is a very good point, that there are small inlets usually to let in that air. You know, central supply ventilation systems uh, can pressurize the home, like we've been talking about. That adds pressure inside your home. So, uh, you know, how can this be good for our home, um, that, you know, if we're adding pressure? Well, the systems can be balanced to give you more control, as you, the homeowner, can give you control over where air both enters and leaves your home. So that makes sense. So uh, again, that's, that's something that's done for these systems. And the inlets and outlets that we've been discussing can be balanced so the home is properly pressurized. So you don't have this weird pressurization inside of it. And, and generally, you know, a, a balanced ventilation system has just one inlet and usually one outlet. So we're not talking like there are 100 holes out of your home that it's trying to pressurize or depressurize your home. It's actually just usually one. That's all you generally need. And as you just mentioned, they're small. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the ventilation of a home is what we kind of discussed. And as we let in with this podcast, we were talking about a home. Mm -hmm. Businesses, we didn't even dive into a business. You talked about how many occupants might not know inside of a home. Imagine if you're a business that you might not know. You Constant. Exactly. You know, Constant changes uh, with those. And, and, and as I mentioned, that might be good for another podcast later to talk about commercial businesses and ventilation. Um, but, you know that it is much more complicated than what most people might be actually thinking of. And, and before we did some of the research, even what some of us actually even thought of there, that when you're diving into this whole ventilation of a, of a structure, that's why we do highly recommend that whenever you're looking to uh, work with your HVA systems inside of your home, you need to have a licensed professional to be the technicians working on the equipment. Uh, they're the ones that have received the education and training on how to work with these systems. So it's very good that you would work with a licensed professional, either with your state or your local jurisdiction, when you're working on HVAC systems. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this stuff that we talked about today was very basic level, um, but some of, some of that even seemed complicated when we were talking about it. So I can't even imagine what goes into doing the actual work. And that's why it's important to get with a, a professional contractor that has their license. Um, and here in Hagerstown, we have a lot of great a great deal of them out here that do really good work. Mm -hmm. um, so that wraps up the main portion of our podcast today. Um, I do invite you to follow us um, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on all your uh, favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Anchor. 
like I said, pretty much every podcast platform out there. Uh, you can find us on YouTube if you want to look at our beautiful faces on there. Um, you can uh, watch us every month. And we reference a lot of older episodes, too, so you can go back and listen to those. So on to Paul's favorite uh, part of the podcast is our weird news story for the month. So the title of this one is Texas Man Found Living in Walmart Air Duct System. All right, so this comes from a story a year ago where it was found out that a man was living in the air ducts of the Walmart store. Um, now there wasn't much to this article, but he did not want to come out. So after some refusal um, and persuasion by the police and SWAT team, yeah, they did get this man out. And you know they weren't sure how long he was actually living up there. So uh, one thing to come from this story is it's an important reminder to regularly check uh, your systems at your home to make sure no rodents, you know, or critters or people um, are causing any damage or uh, taking up some living in your house. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I do recall reading the article where they said they wanted to be clear that he was not living in the store. He was living in the air ducts. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was interesting how they wanted to clarify that he wasn't living in the store. It was in the air ducts. That, that, that was interesting. Um, so uh, our next episode, like we always kind of like to give you a little teaser on what it's going to be, is about noise ordinances. Uh, you know, what is permitted in your community? You know, noise is a very interesting one where we get a lot of calls about noise that's going on. And it would be, you know, what's kind of going on in your community and what's, what's kind of happening. You know, something that's probably going to make a little bit of noise here is that, you know, Donnie is, uh, is, is going to be changing uh, departments and he will no longer be with our department. Uh, Donnie is taking a job in our HR department here with the city, which, which we're very happy for him. And uh, I'm changing up a little bit of a career path, but we are we're very excited for him and, and wish him the best on that. We might be able to get him back for a couple guest host time periods, uh, but uh, he will be moving on to to a new career within the city here. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun doing this podcast, just short of three years. Uh, I can't believe it's been that long, um, but I look forward to listening in and watching where you all take the podcast from here. So yeah, we do thank you. The best, Don. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so now as we take out our episode, uh, we have our musical guest of the month, and this is Drew Adams. So we actually featured a band that he is part of, uh, Club Medics, uh, back in episode 29. Uh, he was previously part of a band called The Drew Adams Project, um, but they primarily they uh, primarily show play shows when they're requested at this point. They're uh, not active as a band. Uh, you know, he's right down he's from right down the road in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. Uh, most of his influences come from the 1990s, but some of the more classic selections include covers by Rod Stewart, Billy Joel, Tom Petty, Johnny Cash, and Van Morrison. Um, he has a bunch of shows uh, coming up so soon, uh, even some here in Hagerstown. On uh, Friday, May 20th, he's, he has the on-tap duo. It's him and Pat Henson. They're going to be at the Antietam Brewery in Hagerstown from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, Saturday, May 21st. It's just going to be him alone at the Rough Edges Brewing in uh, Waynesboro from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, Sunday, May 22nd, uh, he's going to be at the Stonebridge Pizzeria in Funkstown from 3 to 6 p.m. On Saturday, June 4th, uh, he'll be at the Prohibition Hub here in our downtown from 3 to 6 p.m. And then he'll be at the Renfro Museum and Park in Waynesboro from 6.30 to 7 p.m. on June 9th. So uh, as we take out this episode of the Hubbub Podcast, we're going to listen to Drew's previous band, The Drew Adams Project, where he is the lead singer there. It's going to pl play a cover of one of my favorite songs from the Lumineers. Thank you for listening. Hey! 
everybody now. Sweetheart, I belong with you. You belong with me and my 